You're listening to the Valley Labor Report with Adam Keller and David Story. The time has come for America to hear the truth. Good morning, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. My name is Adam Keller, here with my co-host and fellow agitator, David Story. It is Saturday, September 11th, 2021, and we are broadcasting live online on YouTube. And a recording of this program can be found eventually on your favorite podcasting app of choice. And today, mostly, we are popping in to provide some updates, uh, especially for those of you who may not have seen our updates earlier in the week. Uh, first of all, I want to apologize for the the technical setup. As you can tell, we are not at Spice Radio. We are not at WVNN. Uh, we are at our homes and we are missing our fearless leader, Jacob Morrison. So we are uh, improvising (laughs) with equipment and with streaming setups, but it appears we are live on YouTube, and you guys can see us and hear us. Please uh, type in the chat. Let us know if uh, you can't hear or see. We'll do our best, uh, but I certainly am no expert. Of the three of us, I am by far the least proficient in any of this, so, um, yeah, just just bear with us. Uh, we appreciate it. And for those of you who did not see our announcement, uh, Jacob works for the Army Corps of Engineers, and he has been deployed down to Hurricane Ida recovery efforts. And he's looking at um, at least a month, potentially longer. So we made the decision... Uh, rather than try to scramble and put out an inferior product that we would go on a semi-hiatus for the next six weeks. Uh, That will give time for this this deployment um, and a little bit of cushion to return. Right now, um, Jacob is already down there, I believe. Um, So David and I are going to do our best to kind of Keep things going in the meantime, in terms of providing you some content online. Uh, We're bringing this video to you today on YouTube. Uh, Next time, we will probably also uh, live stream on Facebook. And we still intend to do uh, some projects that we've had in mind uh, for quite some time. I know David's got some projects he's had on the back burner for a bit. I do as well. I cannot tell you right now that we that I'm going to be available every single Saturday morning from nine 30 to 11, the way we've been doing it. Um, but I think to the best of our abilities, we are going to keep up that, uh, that time slot, at least for our online listeners and viewers, we are not on FM. That is kind of the biggest change right now beyond just the fact that Jacob's not here is that we are not live on FM radio, uh, at WVNN today. Uh, nor will we be for the next several weeks. Uh, to the extent that we have recorded content, we can provide to the other partner stations, WHIV in New Orleans, WGOL in Russellville. Uh, we'll do that, but again, no promises. 
if you are listening right now, then you're obviously one of our uh, online listeners and viewers. And so that may not even really impact you that much, but that's it. That's the, that's the big news. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, this is not the end of the show or end of the project by any means. Uh, this was a very abrupt thing. Um, Jacob had less than 48 hour notice to pack up and, and get on the road. Uh, so we didn't have a lot of time to really uh, kind of prepare our contingency plans. Uh, but I, I really appreciate all the support that we've received. And I know David and Jacob feel the same way. We have had just some really amazing support from listeners, uh, from sponsors, from donator uh, donations. We have regular patrons on Patreon. Uh, those donations have been paused. Uh, we've also notified our sponsors. Uh, we're not going to be trying to, uh, you know, collect any donations for right now while we're on this semi hiatus. And our plan is that once Jacob's back and um, back in business, we are going to be back as a show bigger and better than ever. It's going to give us some time to uh, work on some ideas, ways to improve the show, uh, build relationships with new sponsors. So I, I really, I'm excited about our future as the Valley Labor Report as both a, you know, a radio show, but also as a broader media project on behalf of the Alabama labor movement. And in the coming days and weeks, we'll, of course, be soliciting your input and feedback. What would you like to see different about the show when we return, you know, full time? Uh, if you have suggestions or ideas, if you have critiques and criticism, if you have topics or interview guests that you'd like to see us uh, reach out to and, and try to work on all that stuff. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we will definitely be taking your feedback, even if we won't be at a hundred percent these next several weeks. So that's what I wanted to say just right off the top of, of the program. Uh, David, you're with me. David story, our OG co-founder. Wow. You want to jump in yeah, there? You got anything to add to that? I mean, I'd just say, you know, we'll do what we can to put everything together every Saturday morning. Uh, we would have been here at 9.30, but there was some password issues, and uh, Jacob was AWOL. I'm sure he's out in the field. He said he's having to work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, and uh, just tough yeah. to reach him. So, Next, hopefully next week we'll be on time and yeah, we'll move forward. It won't be the high quality, uh, solo monk background and all that fun stuff, but, uh, should still be able to tell everybody what's going on in the labor movement in general. And who knows, we might have the high quality backgrounds, uh, by the end of this, uh, period, I feel like I'm going to be a much better expert in all this technology um, yeah, trial by fire always works. So. Absolutely. I mean, hell, that's how I've uh, somewhat learned how to operate the FM switchboard and all that was just trial and error. Uh, I know we've mentioned it before, but I mean, none of us are media people. You know, we, we didn't go to school for radio broadcasting or journalism or anything like that. Yeah. We're just a few union brothers in North Alabama um, who believe in the labor movement and trying to really get the information out there because we have such a terrible media landscape. I mean, 
we have corporate media that dominates airwaves, both radio and television. So much just total nonsense that's online um, that your Facebook feed and uh, other social media kind of generates and feeds to you nonstop. And there's not a ton of coverage of the labor movement. And there's damn sure not a lot of coverage here in Alabama about the labor movement. Uh, We're pretty much, I know we say we're the only uh, weekly union talk radio show. I'm not aware of any other union themed media in the whole state. Yeah. I mean, somebody said earlier uh, in the week that that they weren't aware of anyone in the nation, you know, and, and truthfully I've traveled quite extensively and I don't know that I've ever heard a uh, union radio station uh, anywhere I've been, you, you may get some left-wing politics or some liberal politics, but, uh, never, a, a true FM radio station dedicated to the labor movement. So, yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. And so I want to reassure everybody that we will, uh, do everything we can to get back on the FM airwaves. Um, to their credit, WVNN has been very accommodating. It sounds like uh, Jacob is. Yeah, well, they should. We're paying them very well. We uh, are. You know. uh, and that's one of the things, you know, in this period of, hey, let's kind of reassess everything. Um, I want to gauge listeners and see what do you think about that. Uh, is WVNN uh Working, really. Uh, I mean, is it something that you believe in as a listener? Is it valuable to be on the airwaves of a conservative talk radio station that hosts folks like Rush Limbaugh or RIP uh, (laughs) uh, and those types? Um, That's something that I know Jacob from the very beginning uh, felt strongly about, that it was good to be in that space. Uh, for one thing, if, if we're not there, then hell, some other right wing asshole is going to be rambling on instead of us. Uh, <laughs> so at least we're providing some kind of alternative there, but you know, it also could reach people. We have conservative folks who normally listen to, uh, that, that station who get exposed to our material and, you know, not just the commentary that, three of us have, but some really amazing guests uh, that we've had on this show. So any feedback? Yeah, well, I mean, have- when you think about it, the, 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 the union's not a, a right or left wing thing, it you know, be. and I think we, we naturally fit in that space, especially in blue collar Alabama in this, in this area. So I don't think that so much that it, it's that we don't fit is that they're, their message that they're because they're of course they're pushing a uh, a mentality that's a little it's quite a bit different you know as far as ideological uh, than what we believe in and uh, you know I don't think it's so much that we don't fit I think they don't fit with within our message but I think for our for their listeners and our listeners uh, in general they're, they're uh, there's no reason why the, there's no antag- antagonism towards us. I think the, uh, you know, I think the, the problem is the message that they push every other time. So, yeah, I'll be honest with you that that's something that's weighed on my, um, 
my belief system a little bit. The because I do think that the really the far right media system, uh, and it's a whole network. It's a cottage industry. There's a lot of grifters out there uh, all over the internet yeah. and elsewhere who figured out a way to make a lot of money pumping out right wing disinformation. And there's some part of me that's like, well, you know, are we kind of uh, complicit with that by true, yeah, by you know, uh, airing on this station, paying rent each month uh, to be on that station? You know, I think it's there's pros and cons either way, uh, and you know, that's why I think the more we can hear from y'all, because we're not doing it just for our egos uh, at all. Um, and I, I know we can include Jacob in that too, but you know, neither of us have ever been wanting to chase cloud or, you know, get our name out there. It, it's just about believing in the labor movement in any way we can amplify the labor movement, especially here um, in North Alabama and across the South. So it's about you guys who listen, who, you know, we have a, a, core fan base that does tune in every week uh we have folks who are subscribed to patreon and then we have plenty of folks who can't afford to donate but are always engaging with our content they're always liking and subscribing and sharing and commenting and that means a lot um you know it's it does feel nice that we're not just speaking into the void but that there are folks out there who really believe in this project like we do and want to hear this kind of content and see this kind of content. So, you know, I, I think it's been a really amazing, amazing what the value labor report has accomplished in the what year and a half. If that yep, started this thing a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, and I just came on board, you know, this past spring and you guys had already done so much by the time you know, I started dipping my toes in. If you look back, and this is something I encourage folks, especially since we will have less content over the next several weeks, go back and check out the back catalog. Um, if you just recently, you know, kind of discovered the show or just got into us uh, here in these last few months, man, there's so much good content out there. You guys interviewed some amazing guests uh, before I ever even got involved. And so there's a lot of uh, not just good guests, but just educational material that's out there. Um, There's local unions. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was was just going to say, say, speaking of educational material, it's uh, there's a a few things over the past week that kind of, well, over the past few weeks, uh, one guy, he was he, he questioned on Twitter, is there any podcasts out there that actually teach workers how to unionize? And I was like, uh-huh, you know, uh, I think I may know a one. But I, I'd like to touch on that some today, you know, and maybe you could uh, provide some input. And uh, as far as the, the very, very basics, I know House Red, come on. Uh, a few weeks ago and yeah we have a tendency as uh labor organizers to 
speak in a lot of uh, code words, and and me and <laughs> you, we we understand exactly what's going on. But uh, for a lot of the listeners, it's never. I mean, and even longtime union members, it's never been involved in organizing. Also, have mm-hmm. a difficult uh, time understanding what we're saying because we we're kind of feeding steak to the masses instead of uh, uh, you know maybe a little bit lighter. Uh, uh, information. So maybe we could talk about that. But another thing that I really wanted to touch on was this whole general strike thing. This, uh, you know, and you probably had not seen it as much as we have because you're not uh, real active on Twitter or social media, but there's a tremendous push right now uh, within some left spaces and it's people that want, they have just enough information about uh, a general strike to try to put something together. And there's really not a whole lot of understanding in, in, in this uh, specific area where that people understand the amount of time and organizing it takes to put together a general strike just, or strike even as far as, yeah or, or even just a regular strike you right. know we went on strike at my uh, facility on our last contract there's roughly 300 members it took us almost a year to put that together a plan and organizing and uh you know, getting getting all of those support systems in place in order to support 300 members, and we've we've got people calling for, and it's it's in it's in our city. Uh, people calling for this, and I'm just thinking we need to educate these people on why this is not an attainable idea right now. Yeah. I, I'm familiar with what you're talking about. And, and one thing that's, I think, kind of connected to that is I've seen people say that um, the high turnover that we're seeing in the job market right now and just the massive amount of quitting that you're seeing among workers, which is true that, you know, that's a real phenomenon. It, we have a super high rate of quitting jobs right now um, and wages are going up Um Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And they're saying that's sort of a de facto general strike that workers are, you know, kind of spontaneously rejecting, uh, especially some of these lower paying service sector jobs. And more, I, I more of an I organic. I get that, but that's that is not uh, the same as a general strike. Um, I think it's a phenomenon that may play into uh, the formation of a general strike. It's something we have to be aware of in terms of, you know, the conditions out here in the economy. It may indicate that the the workers on the American economy are more interested in this sort of activity. Uh, But you can't just post some memes on social media and say, hey, everybody, we're going on strike on this date. Um, That's just, uh, it's irresponsible, honestly. and I support anyone who wants to do more, who wants to fight back, who wants to organize. Like, I don't want to dampen anyone's enthusiasm at all. Like, go for it. Um, but I think those kind of things can be demoralizing. 
Like if you're one of the people who's really into this and you think, all right, yeah, we're going to go on general strike. Hell, I don't even know what day it's supposed to happen, but I think it's sometime in, I think it's October something. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know idea. when it's supposed to happen. And I'm, you know, kind of a labor guy. <laughs> so yeah. if someone like me doesn't know, clearly there, there's some work to be done on, on spreading um, what the goal of this is. And, and um, I think what you have, have is if a handful of people statistically go on general strike, well, that's like, basically a protest um that's our your employer is probably just going to see it as either you didn't show up that day or you took a day of personal leave or whatever it, I, I don't think corporate america is going to see this as a general strike yeah yeah and i think the, the it's like you said it's not it's not meant to to demean anyone it's meant to educate people and make them understand or help them understand uh what it takes and and for one it takes a, the labor movement to be involved not one union or a couple of unions but the broad labor movement and it needs to be organic it needs to be grassroots it needs to be developed inside labor councils uh, you know, the North Alabama Labor Council, for for example, this is something that if you want to do, you should be going and seeing that speaking with all the labor councils right. in your area, telling them what your thoughts are, getting their input, and then having those labor councils go to other labor councils with you. This has to be, it, it, it can't be something. Social media has given us this opportunity to communicate quickly with a lot of people, but not everyone is on social media. And so if you can get a couple of thousand likes on a, on a general strike page, that's fine. But we're talking about hundreds of thousands workers across the state of Alabama, multiply that times 50 States. I mean, this is a, it's, it's insanity. And it needs to be done at the grassroots level and it needs time and, and to develop. I mean, for example, take a look at what's going on with the PRO Act and how DSA and the AFL-CIO has organized around the PRO Act. You've got people all across the nation calling their senators, talking to their senators. It's still not culminating in the passage of the PRO Act. So, um, to, so to use that as like a, as an example, it takes a whole lot of work. And this work's been going on, not just during this administration. The PRO Act started during the previous uh, House of Representatives. They passed it uh, during Trump's administration. It never could get uh, to the Senate. So, I mean, we're talking about four years just working on one piece of legislation. In order to get all the workers on board, for a general strike, it's going to take years, not months. Right. Yeah. And I think strikes are a way to demonstrate your power and, and they can build your power, you know, towards the next, what comes after the strike. Uh, but they are a reflection of the power you already have. Your, your yeah. capacity to pull off a strike is going to be determined largely by the capacity you have as a movement or as a particular union. Um, 
And I remember having that conversation with some educators last year that I was representing um, with the start of the school year. There were some talking like, hey, we need to just we need to walk out. We need to do a sick out. We need to go on strike. OK, cool. Like I, I'm I'm behind you. But it's one thing for you and a handful of um, folks, you know, a, a militant minority, so to speak to be down for that. It's another thing to be able to commit that you can get 90% of your building to walk out. Yeah. That's two different things. You have to start with that militant minority. And to me, that would be kind of my message to the folks right now who are um, engaging in this. I support your enthusiasm, especially those who are maybe just now kind of waking up uh, politically or, or in terms of labor politics you know, maybe COVID um, and this recession has gotten people fired up in a new way. And if you're looking for ways to fight back, I applaud that. I'm, I'm with you. Um, but it's not going to be as simple as just picking a date, putting it on Facebook and Twitter and um, spreading the word. That's just that's not it. And, and I think it may also be helpful. Now, here's the history teacher in me it may be helpful for folks to uh, get familiar with some of the general strikes that have occurred uh, in American history and, and also some of the general strikes that do occur more regularly in other countries uh, to have a feel for what does it actually look like when it happens? Uh, because that's not something that most of us have ever participated in or seen. In fact, I don't know uh, very many workers in the United States of America who've ever been involved in an actual general strike. So it's, you know, this is not something that uh, we can easily just pull out of our ass. Yeah, and uh, you, when you think about it in that broad, in those, in those broad terms, uh, we we have roughly, I think it's eleven percent of the workforce in the United States and, uh, and actually a labor union mm-hmm. that speaks a lot about what kind of, uh, support you're going to get for a general strike, because I'll be honest with you. Uh, if you can't people, if you can't get people to organize in their workplace, you're certainly not going to get them to walk out of their workplace. And if you get them to walk out of even a small percentage of those to work, walk out of the workplace, what are you going to do to get them back in? Mm-hmm. What does it take to get somebody back in? Because, it, it, you know, we've always said when we organize around strikes for our contract, the most important thing is to have a plan to get back in right. once you're out on strike. It's real easy to walk out. But in order, you've got to have some goals, you've got to have demands, and you've and you've got to have someone asking, making those asks and the demands and everybody's on board. This is what we want. And, and we're not coming back until we get it. And right. if, if there's not that broad consensus, then you're going to lose people. People are going to lose their jobs. And it's more detrimental to the labor movement than showing the power of walking out. Yeah, that's where it worries me is that it may actually be counterproductive because if it it's, yeah. if it shows up and it's a big flop and 99% of the country doesn't even know it happened and the 1% who does, 
yeah, maybe they lost their job over it um, or really accomplished very little. I think that can demoralize people more than just not trying anything at all. Uh, and that's definitely not what, you know, either of us would ever advocate to not try. Um, so yeah, I'm all, I'm all about the energy. Um, I hope that one day very soon we can see a successful general strike in this country that can, uh, paralyze the economy and rebuild the working class here. But I think to get to that point requires rebuilding the working class movement that has been on decline for the last five decades. Some might, may even argue earlier than that, quite frankly. You know, the labor movement peaked in its militancy and its power, uh, what, 80 years ago, 90 years ago, arguably? So we've been in a period of very long decline. I think the fact that folks are talking about a general strike like this indicates that there is an energy out there that we have to tap into. Uh, this economy and just what is happening in our, our society is so messed up right now. And so many people are hurting and suffering that we absolutely have the potential to organize and the, the, I think moral imperative to organize. Um, so I don't want to kind of dismiss that. It's that's just not the same as saying, okay, everybody, you know, Halloween, let's all walk out of our jobs uh, without a real plan. And something you mentioned, I think is so important is you got to have an idea of what victory looks like. Yep. Now victory may be, uh, well, for one day, we're going to have a show of force. Uh, and that's what happens sometimes in other countries that I've read about where they have what, you know, a general strike, quote unquote, is basically it's a one day thing. It's sort of understood that it's not going to get too out of hand. Everybody's going to be on strike that day. You know, the buses aren't going to run. The trains aren't going to run. Nothing's going to everything's going to grind to a halt for that day. But then they're going to go back to work the next day and everything picks up like normal. Uh, you get. 48 hours of good news coverage out of it. And, you know, maybe, you know, some lost profits from that one day, but not a, not a huge um, socioeconomic shift. So I think that's some, you know, just some things that I I want folks to consider. Um, I think a general strike is more, well, let me, let me take it back more, you mentioned like unionism 101 and kind of back to basics. Well, there's something that you learn. Um, and I, you know, you and I and Jacob sat at a labor notes training where the, I think they did a good job of this and talked about escalating actions. You know, when you're building something, the first thing you do is don't go on strike, right? You can't pull that off as step one. That's like step 10, you know, you build up to it. Uh, and that's something, you know, when I was working with the educators last year, I was like, okay, can we get everybody to wear a red T-shirt? Can we have a red for Ed Day? Now, this this tried this to see what kind of support we have in the buildings, um, assess our strong points and our weak points, and you build up to something as monumental as a general strike. Because it's my belief that a general strike could uh, completely grind the economy to a halt and could extract some pretty significant changes in this country. Um, it's just, that's what a successful one would look like. And, and it would be, you know, millions involved. It would be 
key pressure points of the economy um, and just really a strategic uh, deploy, deployment of our, of our power and a lot of building of that power to get to that point. Yeah. Also, this yeah, is not I the mean, first time I've heard this stuff, dude. I mean, you've been yeah, around. I mean, it comes up I, every year. It's right. Just, you've been along around longer than me. And, you know, every year or two, there's some, like during the Occupy days, which is when I first really was getting very political. I remember talks of, of that, too. Yep. Months. No, it comes up and it, it generally comes up in spaces where you have fairly new leftists fairly new people coming into the labor movement. They're doing a little bit of reading and, uh, you know, that they get the cart ahead of the horse. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's good to have that kind of fire, but it's also good to go at your actions with a purpose and with a, uh, a good plan and a good plan. Isn't building a website two months ago and saying, Hey, we're all going to go get general strike. Uh, a good plan is uh, get involved, get involved in your local union, get involved in your labor council and start having these discussions years in advance. Yeah. I mean, do you have a cadre of folks, you know, right, that you live near that you can count on where if it hit the fan or if there was going to be a strike, you know, you've got some folks that you could call. Uh, that you feel pretty solid about, that you have the relationships there to to pull something off. Um, I mean, you don't do collective action individually. And I think that's one of the obstacles that faces us, really, uh, as working class people, is that in this country, uh, we are so atomized and individualized. And everything from our media to the economy to our culture really, really promotes individualism. Um, individualism is kind of uh, the end-all, be-all from, from popular culture on down. And something that uh, Dr. Richard Wolf was speaking about in his last episode of Economic Update, which you should listen to if you don't, by the way, um, is the decline in institutions church membership is at record lows, union membership at record lows. Um, even manufacturing is around 10% of the economy. So jobs that are more collective that require lots of folks together have declined. The institutions we have where we get together and build community, whether it's through church, unions, even fraternal organizations, you know, your your Elks Lodge and those kind of things. All of that has been on the decline for so long um, that it is difficult for us to even think in a collective way, much less act in a collective way. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So moving on, uh, what do you think about these unions? What about organizing around unions? There was a there was some talk last week, and, and one of the guys said, is there anywhere that teaches workers how to organize unions? And I don't even know if this is moving on. Maybe it's playing off the last, the last discussion uh, and building power. Uh, you know, part of that 
organizing up to a general strike is building power and building power is not going to be done without unions. Uh, you know, you may be able to talk to your coworkers and get a few, but that, uh, that, that ability to communicate, there has to be a organization or a structure in place to, uh, to be able to communicate uh, with workers across the country and across the, across the world, really. And there's no other uh, organization that that bridges that gap and, and, and allows that ability to communicate quickly than, than unions, uh, yeah. you know. And, um, and, and like, like I said, House Red had discussed some of this last week, but it's, it's, it's difficult to cover in an hour, hour and a half, uh, and especially difficult to cover uh, f- for us co- f- coming from the level that we're at to be able to tell people it's never, this never even talked about unions before. This is how you do it mm-hmm. uh, in, this, in this short amount of time frame. Yeah, Labor have- Notes does a good job. And actually, I spoke with uh, Labor Notes last week about coming to Huntsville, hopefully this upcoming year, and uh, putting on a troublemakers class. I hope to facilitate that. But in the, you know, kind of in the interim, there was some questions about it, and I thought it'd be good to talk about the the very very basics of where to start. Yeah, I. Well, and I, I point people to labor notes too, because I think they do a great job with that kind of education and training. Um, but yeah, I, I can think of friends of mine that, you know, politically are on the same page and, and they're big believers in, in unions, but have never been exposed to one in their actual life as a worker. Never heard of one entering their their workplace, in some cases, even their industry, wouldn't even know where to start. Um, yeah. Which I would say the one of the most basic things is you got to know who the employees are, who are the employers, who are the employees, um, who are who would be considered management, who's considered a worker, what are their names. Um, the more data that you get uh, from the institution, um, and not necessarily from the institution, but about the institution. I think that's one of the earliest things is actually knowing what it is that you're dealing with um, along with building relationships so that you have a small group of folks that you could actually have, you know, go have a beer with, go have some coffee with before or after work and have those conversations about, okay, what would it look like if we built a union? Um, yeah. Cause build if- a committee. Right. Yeah. You have to have a committee before you have a union and you have to have relationships before you can have a committee. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's something that that's easier said than done. I mean, I'm, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's not easy by any means to even maintain a union you already have much less build a new one. Um, And I mean, you know that very well from your time and serving in leadership, it's hard enough to just maintain you know, the structures and, and capacity you've built over the years. 
Yeah, I can maintain union membership very well. Maintaining involvement is a whole different story. Right. You know, right. and so that that kind of speaks to what you're talking about, about building that power and building the committee. Uh, I don't have a problem keeping my members, uh, keeping them members. I have a problem keeping them engaged. You'll yeah. have a greater problem getting people engaged and getting people uh, that's willing to stick their neck out on the line and say, yeah, let's, let's do this. But you, like you said, you know, the, 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 the early, the early on the, 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 the best, the best start is to talk to your coworkers, build that, those relationships, build that committee, uh, because that committee is what you'll use to build on and spread out throughout your facility, whether that be a restaurant or a uh, manufacturing or even an office space uh, is is developing those relationships. And you may already have those relationships. You may not have the relationships you think you have whenever you start talking about a union or, Ooh, you yeah. know, building that power in the workspace. Uh, there's a lot of friends uh, that uh, whenever it starts comes to uh, – Let's let's see what we can do about organizing that, that they want it. They'd love for somebody else to hand it to them, but they they don't want to go out there and get it. Right. Well, and I think you just said something very, very uh, powerful. You may have more relationships than you think. There may be people, uh, and this reminds me of uh, Erica we spoke to uh, in our IWW series. People thought maybe she was like pro-management or, you know, not really one to get on board. But it's just because she did a good job putting on kind of the face, playing the the game in front of bosses. So much so that she kind of fooled some of her own coworkers. But the flip side to it that you're really getting at is that there are – Folks that you think are your friends uh, or that you have good relationships with who, when the rubber hits the road and it starts to become real, who they, you know, things change. Um, And my last local, not IWW, but um, the local I belonged to before then, you know, there's a guy who I really respected, uh, had so many great chats with lots of like not chats with, you know, type we, always uh, hang out with at the conferences and that kind of thing, who we discovered was a mole. We, oh, he was wow. caught red-handed, uh, leaking things to management, um, you know, confidential uh, internal union matters um, that put a bullseye on people, uh, myself being a major one, but not only me, you know, and that's something that um, – you have to be prepared for, and it's, uh, you know, it goes beyond just your, you know, your, your mentality in terms of what do you believe in? Um, you know, do you support unions? Do you support workers? It, it can get to a much more deeper level um, mentally and emotionally and psychologically about um, dealing with people. And uh, I think that's also something that, that is a big deal. Uh, I don't know how much you've run into it, David, but I feel like there are so many people who are struggling themselves that they are having a hard time even building something collective, building relationships, you know, forming a committee because they're, they're struggling to 
to stay okay themselves. You know, mental illness is, is so widespread, especially, you know, after the pandemic, we've got drug addiction and, and suicide and, and just so many folks are struggling personally and internally that that also hampers our ability to, to do this. Um, though I would say that the more you are organized and the more that you have these relationships, the easier it is for you to, to survive those, those hardships. Um, I know, you know, me personally, I've, it's been fantastic to know I have brothers and sisters in the labor movement who, you know, have my back. Uh, and, and I think that's something that, uh, if you're having a hard time right now and you're thinking, man, I don't even know where to start. I, I just, I can barely keep my own shit together. I can't, I can't fix this workplace. Um, there is real power in solidarity and um, yeah. there's real, you know, inspiration there that can, can change your life for the better. Yeah. Well, I mean, nobody can do it individually. That's the whole point, you know, mm-hmm. that's the whole point of the collective action and you shouldn't have to do it individually. Yeah. And I think um, that's, that is, you know, and I, I, I know we kind of run that in the ground sometimes, but that's, that's what the labor movement's all about. It's a movement. It's not just you. It's not just a leader. Um, and anyone who thinks it's that way, they're wrong. It's not about just having, uh, you know, a great executive director of your organization or a great president that you've elected. No, it's about all of us. Um and I think that's that's a different kind of mindset than what we're trained to believe, because everything, even you know, even going back to school, it's all about individualism. Uh, so you have to kind of unlearn some things from our society and our culture that you know what, it's not just all about me. This guy over here is getting screwed. I need to help him. I need to have his back. Um, yep. And likewise, when when you're on the outs, um, those folks will have your back. And you have to sometimes have faith in that, that whatever hardships you may encounter through a campaign or just in life, uh, that there are sisters and brothers and comrades who will uh, support you. Yeah, and it's something to think about, because I, you get questioned a lot about uh, or you know one of the one of the brothers on the uh, youtube channel said yeah organize some 101 uh which i assume was a uh you know was a uh, a, a question to, to to get us to talk about this organizing 101 and uh you know like i said we, we should have labor notes coming in but there's a reason why there's a lot of uh, uh we, there's a difficulty wanting everyone to be able to organize in their work in their workplace because it takes a lot of time uh, to be able to do the put this together properly. And we constantly say, uh, if you're interested, you should reach out to one of your lo- local union organizers because you you really run a tremendous risk of putting a lot of people's lives in jeopardy. Uh, their their livelihoods and their family's ability to eat. Uh, whenever you have someone fairly new that may be on fire, they may be really wanting to organize uh, 
but but there there's specific steps that needs to be taken. And I hate to keep railing on this general strike thing, but going back to this general strike thing, you're gonna you're gonna cost people their jobs, and and that may not be a big deal for you. Uh, you may be living at home with your parents. You may have a, a another income with uh, with a spouse or a uh, partner. But there's a lot of people that don't. Right. And you, in order to organize a general strike or a union, there's, there's processes need to be followed. And one of the earliest processes is protecting people, protecting their livelihood and getting, getting the union in place without losing those supporters. Yeah. Something this kind of makes me think of it and something I know that's right up your alley is, you know, mutual aid and um, even co-ops because that's, you know, I mentioned earlier, we've had this decline in just collective institutions. We've had a decline in unions specifically. And because of all of that, um, we really have a lot of work to do to boost our mutual aid and to uh, have more organizations, institutions, whatever the hell you want to call it, more stuff that is by and for and of the people, um, separate from government, separate from, you know, NGOs and, and all that kind of thing. You know, the more we can be able to rely on one another and support one another, without having to rely on employers and bosses and politicians, uh, the better off we'll be and the easier to be to take some risk. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, some people are in a position where they can take risk. If you're in a position where it doesn't really matter if you get fired, well, by all means, um, stand your ground, you know, definitely don't let yourself get run over if you are in that kind of position, but just know that not everybody is right there with you. In fact, yeah, well, you, and I think the the more important person, part of that is to say that there's there's certain laws, legislature that's in place to protect those organizing workers. Uh, and if you're not working with a qualified uh, organizer, union organizer, not just there's a whole bunch of people out there that want to call themselves organizers uh, nowadays, and they may have organized a little march down at the courthouse or what have you, but there's a hell of a big difference between being a union organizer and being uh, the Obama organizer. <laughs> and there's some there's some legislation out there that can protect those workers. And that's kind of why it's very it's a very difficult one one hour or even twenty hour uh, discussion about un union organizing because it's uh, you, there's a way to protect those people. Uh, and if you're working with somebody that don't know everything as far as the, the, the processes and the legislation that's in place, you know, it's, it's not a good thing. And that's why I constantly go back to reach out to, uh, to one of the local unions. And if you don't feel comfortable with the organizer that they put you with, ask for somebody else uh, because there's plenty out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for really assessing the people that you have on your team and what kind of team do you have? Um, if you don't have anyone who knows the law, 
that's a, that's something you got to address. Um, you know, flip side is you may have someone who's great with the law, but terrible at actual organizing, you know, so you right. got to have the right kind of folks. And that may start with yourself, figure out what are your skills? What, what's your strong attributes that you can bring to the table? Um, you know, maybe you're not a very great communicator. Um, and maybe having one-on-one conversations scares you to death, but maybe you're a great researcher and you're great at, you know, looking up the law and the policy. I think, so that's something you can bring to the table, whatever it is, whoever you are, you have something you can bring. Um, you don't have to do it all. No one should be doing it all. And if you ever see that scenario, something has gone wrong. <laughs> something has gone wrong. And and some of our unions, quite frankly, are guilty of doing this themselves, where, you know, they kind of third party themselves. The union busters love to, to third party the union and say, oh, it's it's those people uh, that you're, you know, it's like a an outside entity. And some of our unions do it themselves, you know, yeah, for various reasons, various reasons. Some of it's historic trends. Some of it is, quite frankly, their own self-preservation, um, conservatism. And in all reality, some of us, because members don't want to be involved. I mean, yes. you know, I mean, yes, I, I, a lot of times you get this whole concept of union bosses, union bosses, uh, and, and, and even among our own folks. And it's like, well, they're the only ones doing anything. What right. do you expect? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something. Um, there are a lot of reasons that, that go into that. But if if it looks like uh, you're in a situation where you got basically one person uh, doing everything, you know, you're, you're going to be going down the wrong track. Uh, you shouldn't rely on just one. You should have a, a diverse set of, of skills from a diverse set of people. And that's that's the way you can kind of build a committee uh, that can ultimately build a union. Same with maintaining the union you have, because I think what David's saying is is very, very important. We may have 10, 11 percent that are unionized, but how many of that 10 and 11 percent of the country that, that belong to unions go to union meetings, run for union office? You know, how many could even tell you who their local president is? You know, I, and I, I certainly saw that among educators where there were plenty of folks paying dues, right? Because they knew they wanted somebody to call if they got in trouble. But that's not the same as, as being a, a full-fledged member of something bigger than yourself. And so that's a cultural, uh, you know, a cultural problem that we, we all have to address in, the, in this movement. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's not just a movement. It's just in general. I mean, it yeah. don't matter where you go, right. it, whether it's in your church, whether it's in your union, whether it's in your school, whether it's in yeah. your uh, in your household. There's some people that pull the load. There's some people that don't. I mean, it's just just the way it is. It's nature, yeah. human nature, I guess. And the key, I think, is continually find more of those people who will do some of the work. Otherwise, you have burnout. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not going to convince everybody to be engaged, uh, and to volunteer, but the more you can have like a, a, have a fresh crop of leaders and activists coming in steady, that is one of the most important things folks can do, um, with unions or just, yeah, like I said, with any kind of 
institution, anytime you're just trying to achieve something, um, if you don't have a, uh, a new, a new group coming in on a steady basis that you're educating and mentoring and kind of passing the reins to, you know, that's, that's where things can really, uh, atrophy. Yeah. Go off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. You have bitterness and, and, uh, burnout and, and resentment, all that stuff starts to settle in. And or then you have folks who leave and they retire, they pass away and all that, you know, institutional knowledge and experience just disappears. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that's something that if nothing else with this Valley Labor Report project, you know, we're, we're putting some, some information out that's available. Um, maybe you're getting something new or different that you wouldn't otherwise. And that's, that's what I hope, you know, if, if we're accomplishing anything, I hope it's that, that, you know, there is a wealth of knowledge and information out there to help you. There are people out there and organizations out there to help you. Uh, we just got to, you know, stay connected. And Yeah. So we talked a lot about uh of a lot about the negatives, a little bit about the positives, but kind of to touch back on uh, the organizing of the union, you know, really, if you're working with somebody that, that knows what they're doing, it's not that difficult. It's building relationships. Uh, it's having those, uh, those conversations with your coworkers and asking them, you know, hey, what would you do? in this case, if you were given the opportunity to fix it, because, because that's kind of what the, the union is, is, is providing that alternative to management's concepts about how to fix things. Uh, so it's, it's empowering the workers on the floor who know more about how the operations work than management does and right. giving them the tools to make those changes internally. But, you know, coming back to what I originally was talking about was it's not that difficult having those conversations, finding those leaders, the, the natural leaders in your workplace that may uh, be able to talk to other people. There may be numerous leaders uh, across different areas. It may be, somebody that runs a, the gambling pool in one area. It may be uh, somebody that goes to for, for help, uh, whether it be work help or uh, emotional help, you know, while you're at work or what have you. Uh, and talking to those people and getting them on board and getting them to help organize, uh, build that committee. And when we talk about the committee, we're talking about a committee that eventually when you gain your union or your recognition, um, that committee is the natural uh, election process that's taking place throughout the, throughout the facility that's going to negotiate uh, with the company based on uh, hopefully surveys this went out to all the workers, all the members of your union, and uh, that they'll negotiate based on those on on those surveys and what people want, uh, you know, and they and they carrying forward that that what we call the negotiating committee. They'll be elected, uh, and and 
they'll come out of the rank and file and they'll negotiate either contracts or they may just negotiate on demands. Uh, you know, like what with y'all talking about with the IWW the last few weeks, uh, there's not a whole lot of contracts there, but there's there's some demands that's being made and uh, they'll go in and negotiate them and, you know, try to try their best to get those demands from management. But it's all about building power. Uh, and that's 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 really the 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 rudimental of unions is building power through that collective membership. Yeah, I, I think because if you think about it, you realize that our workplaces are dictatorships. Our economy is not democratic. There are order takers and there are order givers and unionizing is a way to disrupt that dynamic so that you can have some representation in your workplace. Like you said, it's not all just management's prerogative. Um, you can have some say-so over your piece of this, you know, complex, massive economy. And so, yeah, I mean, unions for me, it's not just a, an ability to disrupt them. It's a, it's an ability to subvert them. The yeah. goal, you know, and I'm, I'm more f- radical than most unionists, but, uh, the concept behind unionism for me is for the workers to run their workplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're basically what we're doing is giving a portion of the value of our labor to a bunch of people that don't work. Uh, when you look at in those offices, the management folks, uh, they may not be in the office. They may be sitting out there next to you. They may be in a desk sitting right in the middle of you that don't never pick, lift a finger. Or they could be out in the golf course because they can. They could be, <laughs> you know. But the, what, what, I mean, we're working. If you want to, if you want to talk about freeloaders, then those are the freeloaders of the business. They don't lift a finger to make anything yet they're taking a percentage of our value of our labor. And so my opinion is with unions, it provides that ability to subvert that management and begin to take over the facility. Some people may call that communism. I don't know. But when the workers are able to run their own, they own their own, own what they work, and the value of their labor is returned them a hundred percent, then I believe you're in a better position. Amen about that. Amen. That and that's what it should be. Not everybody sees it that way. Even some inside our, you know, the unions don't see it that way. It can be kind of a controversial, radical uh opinion. But that's what motivates me. It's what motivates you. And I think that's what's motivating people to even have ideas like general strike. It's, it's strange to me because I, I, it's, I find it hard to believe that that's a radical opinion. Is, it, is it truly radical to expect that the, the value that you are, are uh, building through your labor, that that is returned to you? I mean, I, maybe I, maybe I'm strange, but I don't I don't see that as being radical. Right. That those who do the work should have say so over the work. Um, yeah. 
it seems all it's all very common sense really when you when you break it down it's just obscured and mystified by so much bullshit that bosses and politicians and and their media allies put out there nonstop you know from the moment we're there's born, a concept the there's this idea that we need them right whether that be the management whether that be politicians i mean it's 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 unbelievable, but you know, uh, I, I'm of the opinion that we don't need politicians. You know, and it, we have the ability to manage ourselves through councils, things like that, through a democratic process. But uh, you know, they've got they've got most of these folks hoodwinked mm-hmm. to think that we need them to tell us what is in our best interest, whether that be. They don't really matter who it is. uh, There's a bunch of people that's making a lot of money uh, convincing all of us that we need them. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think there's also a lot of folks who, for various reasons, are so distracted or so just desperate and miserable that they're not even thinking about any of this. Right. And that's part of the plan, too to ensure that you have so many folks out there who are so exhausted mentally, physically, both to where they're not even thinking these things through about, do they really need their boss? Do they really need these politicians? You know, that's by design. And I think something that, uh, something I saw over the last week or two was about price changes. Cause you know, hell inflation's all, over the news these days, inflation, inflation, inflation. So I saw some data about price changes over the last several years. I mean, several decades, you know, the same time period where the labor movements declined and wages have been stagnant. It's interesting that medical care, college education, uh, housing, Things that are really important to you as a human being, to your future of your family, the prices have skyrocketed over the past 50 years. But TVs, computers, video games, all that stuff has become more affordable than ever. So the, the ways in which you can you know, distract yourself uh, to kind of tune out the outside world those things are easier to get than ever. You can go get a big screen TV, smart TV for a couple hundred bucks at Walmart, but good luck finding affordable rent. <laughs> you know, to, yeah. Good luck finding a place where you can hook it up. Uh, and that, that really spoke to me, you know, to see that graph and to see, just to see it laid out that way, like, oh shit. So all the ways we just, you know, amuse ourselves and distract ourselves from how, effed up everything is all that's a lot more affordable you can be pretty broke and still have a, a computer and a smartphone and a smart tv uh but all the essentials of life all the all the real things we need for a good quality of life has gotten more and more unattainable at the same time that's that's not a coincidence yeah yeah i i mean honestly when you say that i hadn't put much thought into that but yeah that's that's uh I hadn't either until I saw until I saw a visual like I saw, you know, the departures on the line graph of here's healthcare skyrocketing and housing and college. But all the other stuff's going, the, you know, the, the cheap consumer goods 
from China that, you know, made by machines, made by, you know, pennies on a dollar labor <laughs> overseas. Now all that shit's easier than ever to afford. Um, yeah, it, that really, that really hit home with me when I saw that. Yeah. Education's a good. I mean, I've I've looked at that education uh, in the past, and I, it's insane. You know, it's like a fifteen-fold increase over the past twenty years, which is you have to you have to ask yourself, where's all this money going? Right, uh, right. It's not who's going this to money going to the educators because oh, certainly not. Very few tenured professors anymore. I mean, those hardly exist. Most of the people teaching on these colleges are grad students. They're they're adjuncts who, you know, are living in poverty. Um, so yeah, where the hell is all this money going? Uh, you know, you got the six figure salary bureaucrats and the vice president of this and the you know director of that who are on the campuses. But yeah, there's a lot of money that's flowing around in higher ed and and across our economy and it's not going to a handful of folks. Yeah. It's not going to the ones that actually do the work. Right. Right. I think so that, I mean, I guess if there's like a, a kind of a summary, it would be that unions are for the workers who do the work because without them, those of us who do the work have very little say so on the work or the return of our value yeah. that we put into this work. And that's the promise of unions uh, to overcome that, to actually shift the balance of power back in our direction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, I constantly get the question whenever I talk about some of my ideologies as well, you know, you don't deserve that money. You don't own that business or you don't own those tools or you don't own this or own that. And, you know, I always pose the question, uh, if if you remove all those workers, what would that person own? What would he or she be able to generate as far as value? So anything that they own is based off of the labor of the workers. So the truth of the matter is, although that person on paper may own something, the workers are the ones that have generated the value. And it's just a slide of a hand mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 that through laws has allowed this person to own something, but rely completely on somebody else's labor to own that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean, it's not that you. How can you own something that you do have you not built value in? Right, right. I mean, like you said, you know, we need workers. We don't necessarily need bosses or owners. Yeah, uh, it's perfectly uh, feasible to run a factory, to run a school, uh, to run a hospital where the actual workers, the people who know what the hell they're doing and are the ones actually doing it every day are in charge. Um, We don't need people sitting at Wall Street who are just collecting interest and rents and dividends uh, by virtue of their wealth uh, 
which like you said, ultimately all comes down to labor. It's all a social product. It's a product of workers in a society. It is, you know, no, again, despite the individualism that, that we're trained to see, they didn't build that. They didn't, they did not do that on their own. Uh, They did not, uh, own the means of production uh, because of their own virtue or hard work by any means. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say that those people shouldn't draw a salary if they contribute to the value of that product that's, that's being made. But if you're sitting in Gulf Shores while everyone else is producing the, adding the value to that product, you don't deserve shit, nothing. Yeah, seriously. Um, Brother, we're about 10 minutes over. You got anything? Well, we were a little late, so we ran a little late today. Um, No, I just, I want to uh, thank everybody again for for not just tuning in today, but for your support of the program and support of the project. Um, So far, it seems like the reception has been very kind in terms of our announcement and, and, you know, Jacob's deployment and our plans in the meantime. I mean, no look, we're, we, we don't get paid to do this. This right, is all, yeah, out of, yeah. you know, it's just, like you said, when we started the show, we're not, we're not professional uh, media producers, content producers. We're, we're not drawing a salary. Uh, I've not put a dollar in my pocket in a year and a half. And I know you haven't. I know. In Jacob fact, we've hasn't. all lost money on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I just yeah, we do appreciate. Yeah, I think it's uh really cool those of you who are um have been supportive over the time uh that we've been on the air and who have expressed their support for us during this uh little semi hiatus. Um and like I said at the t- start of the show, we plan on being back better than ever um once that time comes. Maybe it's six weeks from now. Maybe it's longer. We're not really sure. Got to play by ear. Uh, in the meantime, keep listening, keep sharing and subscribing. Um, check out the back catalog uh, and give us your input. I'm going to try to uh, draft a survey this week that we can release for our listeners. And I don't know how many people will take it, uh, but those of you who do really enjoy the program or have supported the program, uh, definitely uh, fill that out once we get it out this week, because uh, we'd love to know, you know, your thoughts and ideas and concerns. And other than that, yeah, uh, just looking forward to doing the best we can over these next few weeks. And I think uh, the more we practice doing our home setups and everything, uh, we'll work out even more kinks and and still have some great content to put out. So, yeah, yeah I, well, I don't really have a whole lot to finish up just saying, you know, all power to the workers, solidarity to all of y'all. We love you. We appreciate it. If you got questions, reach out to one of us and we'll help organize your workplace. Hell yeah. And a uh, special shout out to those UAB nurses who are fighting a good fight. Maybe next week or, or next time we get together. Uh, definitely want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, I saw you were tweeting about it, David. Um there are a lot of folks who are fighting back and we want to highlight their struggles and educate folks on how they can follow suit. 
So yeah, I'm actually talking to some people right now to put me in touch with those nurses. Uh, not to have them on the show, but to talk to them about some other things. Yeah. So if you're watching the show and you happen to know one of those, uh, put, put, put them in touch with me because I believe we can uh, develop a good union down at UAB. Hell yeah. All right, y'all. Have a great rest of your day. Uh, hope you enjoy some football, some beer, and barbecue if you get the chance. An injury to one is an injury to all. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever.